0: How's it going, everybody? This is the Dirt Bike Channel Podcast. This is your host, Kyle Brotherson, and I am super excited about today's episode. Uh, Why am I so excited? Well, it's because this is the most popular podcast that we've ever done. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and a lot of times on podcasts, they'll actually go back and kind of do a rebroadcast of something that they've done in the past. This is something that happened a little over a year ago, and this is to date the most popular podcast episode we've ever done. I know there's a bunch of you people out there that have just kind of subscribed to this and you may not have heard it. But literally, this is one of the most transformative podcasts that I've ever done. In many ways, I think it is the most transformative podcast. And it's with Dr. Dominic Sportelli. He is a medical doctor, he's a board certified adult and child psychiatrist. You might have seen him on shows as a guest host on the show of The Doctors on CPS. He's a frequent news media expert guest. Dr. Sportelli is one of the nation's go-to experts for mental health care. And the other thing is he's a stud. (laughs) He's 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 a member of the Dirt Bike Channel community. There are so many cool, cool people inside of our little community. So many really cool people that ride dirt bikes, that love dirt bikes, and that find value in this. And this was a conversation that Dr. Dom and I had about a year ago about why dirt bikes are supercharging our overall health. I mean, uh, mental health specifically. And here's a dude who has it all put together. If you've, if you've seen pictures of him, if you've watched him on any of these YouTube videos, not only does he have the mental health side, uh, kind of going on, the dude is ripped. The dude, he's, he's like, Calvin Klein underwear model. Not that I know what that looks like because I'm not Googling Calvin Klein underwear models, but you know what I'm talking about. Here's a guy who has it all put together. At least it, it, uh, from what I can tell. I mean, the the dude's a stud. So I was super happy that he came on the podcast, and I'd like to get him back on. But I mean, I've been you know looking around for possible episodes that we could rebroadcast to get that get the word out. And this is one of the most important conversations I've ever had on the phone. I apologize. This was a phone interview. So the audio, uh, isn't quite as good as if I had him in studio, but I tried to go through and, uh, find where he was talking and then just boost that a little bit and not boost where I'm talking to kind of even that out. So without any further ado, I want to bring to you Dr. Dom, how dirt bikes are supercharging our mental health and overall health. Here we go.
1: Hey Kyle, can you hear me buddy? Yeah,
0: I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay.
1: Um, Perfect. I got you good. So I have you on a headset. So let me know if everything's coming through. Okay. So yep. I'll be hands free for this.
0: Welcome Dr. Dom. This is Dr. Dominic Sportelli. For those of you who don't know who he is, he is a medical doctor. He's a board certified adult and child psychiatrist. He's He's been seen as a guest host multiple times on the doctors on CBS. He's a frequent news media expert, uh, an expert guest if, for in, in, this, in his field and he's he's literally one of the nation's leading and go-to experts for mental health care but not only that from a t- from from a dirt bike perspective this is this is one of the coolest people that we have inside of the dirt bike channel community and i just want to i just want to like toot our horn for a little bit here and when i say our horn i'm not talking about me i'm talking about us as a dirt bike channel community there are so many fantastically qualified and just unbelievable people that we have kind of in our little tribe, little community. And Dr. Dom is, is one of those guys. I mean, just in talking to him yesterday, and, um, we had such a fantastic chat yesterday on the phone and it was just mind blowing to me, but you know, you, you see people on TV or you see them and, and they, they look like, you know, they're, they're so professional and, and Dr. Dom is, but here's a guy who has been a street biker for mo- for most of his life. He's an avid hiker. I mean, Doctor Dom, haven't you? You've walked from like the North Rim to the South Rim of the Grand Canyon. I mean, you're you're an outdoors type of guy, like a like an uh, an active an active lifestyle type of guy, right?
1: Oh yeah, Kyle. Thanks so much for the intro, man. It is such an honor. Let me get this out of the way. Um, I'm I'm actually humbled and honored to be on your show, man, because you have done. Forget about what I have done for people. Right? We'll get this. We'll get this out of the way, man. But I mean this sincerely. I watch your videos with my kids just about every night. I have learned so much about dirt bike riding, about trail riding, about enduro. And that's what, that's what led me to reach out to you. Um, and honestly humbled and honored to be on your show and to contribute. And yes, so I've been an outdoor guy my whole life. Right. And, and this is to me, I think this is where this conversation is so incredibly important and valid is that we all do things that try and help us emotionally to get through life, right? We all have coping skills and and we all just do things to make us feel better, right? So what I've realized throughout my years of hiking and surfing and backpacking and, uh, you know, wakeboard, I mean, you name it, I've done it all, snowboarding, skiing, I've skied in Europe, I've skied all around the world. Dirt bike riding, trail bike riding, enduro riding is so unique in so many aspects. And that's why I wanted to talk to you today and just get involved in this conversation because I know people love it and I know people are doing it because it's just awesome. But there's, you know, there's really some psychological stuff behind this that I think is really kind of fun to look at, right? And, and really just interesting to sort of look at all the nuances as to why this is such an amazing sport on so many levels.
0: Yeah, and your perspective, and we talked about this a little bit on the phone yesterday. In the last year, I've kind of been going through a little bit of a journey with myself and and I've been I've become more and more interested in mental health. I see a counselor to help me work through some things which, you know, 10 years ago I might have thought was taboo, but I've really opened my mind to the, you know, the the these other avenues where it's like, you know what? I've got physical health, I need to make sure that I take care of my body, but also there's this mental health side of it. That I think you know more, it, more and more, it's becoming mainstream, and I know you're seeing this more and more with your practice. Uh, but it's it's something that I think a lot about. And when you first reached out to me over email, and you know you said, "Hey, I've got a couple of ideas." I was just looking at it, some of the things you put down in that email, and I'm going, "Wow, this is something we need to dive into a little bit more." And then yesterday, um, you know, in our conversation. I was just typing notes furiously on my computer here and I'm going, he is, he has the medical background and the experience to articulate and give words to, and give concepts to these things that I've experienced in the last decade, but didn't know I was experiencing it. You know, I was talking to my wife after we got off the phone and I'm going, Dr. Dom was able to tell me why I come back from a ride so, so energized and why I have like my heart full and why it's, it's so connecting and centering to me. You have the, the research and, and the, you know, the, just the day to day you know, meeting with clients and working with people and, and helping people. You see this from a different perspective than what I think us as dirt bikers do. And you're also a gearhead, <laughs> you know, you're, you, yeah. you've got, you've got a beta, you've got a two stroke, you're, you're out there riding stuff, you're active, you're doing all of these things. And so I just, thank you so much for coming on because I think, like I said, and I said in my, my intro, right before I brought you on, I said, I have never been this excited to talk about dirt bikes with this little, you know, twist of it is like, Hey, mental health mindfulness, confidence, <laughs> yeah. cognitive psychology, you know, so many life lessons that we're going to get into like pro or is it, it's pro, I'm oh like, it's pro pre, you got it, proprioception, proprioception, proprioception. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we're going to get, I, I, I butchered that. I, I'm like, oh, I practiced that right before we got on proprioception, <laughs> but yes. So there's so many cool things that I want to dive into. And, uh, yeah. So just thank you so much for coming on and, and we can kind of jump into wherever you think is a good place to start. Um, but yeah, let's, let's figure, let's figure this thing out.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and you know what, honestly, Kyle, this is, this is the cool thing. And look, being a gearhead, being a dirt bike guy, going out with people from all walks of life, blue collar, white collar, police officers, EMTs, friends, I, you know, electricians, every walk of life salesmen that I go out with on a daily basis. Right. It's funny because sometimes I get into the psych aspect of it and they're like, Dude, whatever. It's just fun, you know? Why you got to analyze everything? <laughs> but but you know what? I think for some people, I think gaining a little bit of insight into, like, kind of that epiphany that you had when we had that discussion, is like, wow, man, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think for a lot of people, it might resonate, right? It might be cool. But here's the basic foundation of it all. It's fun. We love it. We have a great time doing it, and that's all that matters. But let's dive a little bit into, like, why that might be. And When I see patients, clients, when I see people on a daily basis, Kyle, you know, I'm in the medical hospitals, I'm also in private practice, and man, Kyle, I can't tell you how many people are so anxious and depressed, especially lately, right? With the COVID stuff, right?
0: I mean, even worse now, right?
1: With the COVID stuff, listen... We're going through a challenge as a country right now that's unprecedented, right? So it's kind of timely and helpful to look at what helps us cope and why, right? Being a specialist and psychiatrist, I deal with depression and anxiety and mood disorders. But even before COVID, Kyle, I mean, our anxiety and depression levels have been higher than ever. And without getting into, you know, other, I don't want to get tangential too much and go off topic. But, you know, I mean, we're really into social media, like our kids are paying so much screen time. Yeah. You know, our priorities have changed a lot, and and there's a lot of criticism and and decrease in self-confidence and all kinds of stuff that contributes to that. But I've seen this spike, man, in anxiety and depression and mood disorders. And here's the key. Ready for this? I'm going to say one thing that I think helps people the most, right? And it's this term called mindfulness, right? And yeah, listen, even when I first heard this as a doctor, I was like, what is this foo foo, new age mindfulness stuff? Like, what is this, right? Yeah. But check this out mindfulness is basically being present, being in the moment, right? And why is that good psychologically? I'm going to tell you exactly why it's good. Because as researchers and psychologists and psychiatrists and neurologists, when we look at the type of people that are anxious, These are people that are living two days ahead. They're living 10 minutes ahead. They're living, you know, a month ahead. In their mind, they're going, what if, what if this happens tomorrow? What if that happens next month? They're worried. So they're living in the future, right? They're not present. And then people that tend to be down and depressed are the people that tend to live in the past. They're constantly in their mind about, Oh, why did that happen? Why did I do this? Why did that person do this to me? I shouldn't have done that. I should have done this, right? It's people that live in the past. Mm -hmm. But my point is, mindfulness is being present. It's being right here right now. And Kyle, let me tell you something. I don't know if you feel this, but I certainly feel it when I am out on my beta or my KTM or whatever I'm riding that day. And I'm ripping through the trails. I am in the moment. Yes. There is no other. My mind is not worrying about tomorrow and it's not thinking about yesterday. I'm present. My, my eyes are scanning the terrain. I'm looking at what boulder is going to come at my front wheel next or, or what turn I have to make. So unlike so many other things, it brings you into the moment. There's no room for your mind to wander and you have to be present. And that's the whole definition of mindfulness, man. And that's why when we're in the moment, we feel good. And here's, here's the takeaway from this. If we can learn a lesson from that and draw it into our daily lives, and when we start to get anxious or start to get freaked out, just say, okay, wait a minute. Just like when I'm on my dirt bike, man, I'm going to look right in front of me. What is my issue here, right here, right now? And I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to overcome it. Being present, taking a deep breath, saying, okay, wait a minute. It's not a month from now. It's not last year, but that stupid thing I did five years ago, it's right now, right? Yes. Just like when you're on your bike, man, just like when you're on that bike.
0: That is so... so in-
1: mindfulness is huge.
0: That is so incredible because it, that, and that is uh, this life skill that we learn and it's almost, it's almost, it's so therapeutic too, to just be in that moment. We have so many stresses, you know, whether it's work or whether it's, you know, relationships or your children or taxes or COVID-19 or, or whatever it is, you get out there on the bike and you, 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 you said that so eloquently, you are, you are forced, you're basically forced to be mindfulness and be in the present right then because the, riding a dirt bike, and we talked about this yesterday, riding a dirt bike takes so much of your mental capacity that you don't have the luxury of letting your mind wander. It, it can't do it right. there's so much happening, which is why dirt bikes are, is so different than some of these other sports like like street bikes you know you and I have both ridden street bikes you've probably ridden a lot more than I have, but you you have time to just sit there and daydream when you 're riding a street bike yeah. down the, down the road i mean the, the, the main thing that you're worried about is getting killed by yeah. another ride you know, a driver who doesn't right. see you right. but you know the the road is just coming, and there's not really that many challenges, typically speaking. But on a dirt bike, you hit the nail on the head. You've got so many the the terrain is changing, everything. You know, even if it's been on, if it, even if it's a trail you've been on before, a tree might have fallen down, or there yeah, might have yeah. been a landslide, or or a, or a washout from like a little flash flood. You don't know what's around the next turn, and so you have to and be you, there. You have to be and present. You know
1: what's, absolutely, and you know what's so cool about this. Like as a doctor, right, I'm trying to help people. And, you know, I'm in my office and someone has a ton of anxiety or a ton of depression. And I'll say to them, listen, mindfulness. And they're like, oh, great. What do I have to do? Go meditate now? <laughs> I have to learn how to meditate, right? And I say, no, no, forget about meditation. Go do something you love that keeps you in the moment. So all those guys out there that are ripping around on their dirt bikes, their two strokes and four strokes and ripping through the trails. Listen, I'm not saying go meditate. What I'm saying is go ride your bike. But think about afterwards, like, wow, put two and two together and be like, wow, that's why it works. And try and apply that to the rest of your life, man. Try to apply that to your daily routine. Be present, you know, approach your problems in the here and now. And I promise you, you'll feel better. So, you know, just like when I tell a patient, you know, listen, go learn mindfulness and meditate, you know, four times a week or three times a week for 30 minutes. Hey, man, if you're a dirt bike rider, get out on the trail. But just make that connection. That's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah. That's, I've had my wife tell me so many times in the past, you know, I'll, I'm cranky or whatever, and she'll tell me to go out and go for a ride. And so many of the things that we are going to be talking about today is that therapeutic thing that connects us back and gets us mindful, gets us back into the present. And I love mm-hmm. that. Just the fact that this thing that we're doing really does help us in a mental capacity, in a mental health is just so fascinating to me, and and it just makes me giddy, you know. And and part of part of it is just because I'm being selfish, and I'm going, hey, look, you know, I can tell my wife, hey, look, this thing I've been doing for ten years, it's actually been really good for me. <laughs> so maybe there, maybe there's a little bit maybe there's a little bit of cognitive bias there, but I don't think it is because of the background that you have. You know, with the with the with the knowledge that you have and the day-to-day practice of what you have to hear you talk about it is so encouraging to me. And I think it will be encouraging to to others. So mindfulness, I love it. What else?
1: Yeah, and look, look, and here's and and a quick disclaimer too. I think I think there are a lot of things out there that we can do that make us feel better, right? Like like I said, I surf and I hike and I do all kinds of really cool stuff. And those are all great. And if that works for you, that is awesome. But speaking specifically to the dirt bike community on your show. I find so many unique things about dirt bike riding. And again, that's what we're going to talk about today. There are a lot of things that riding a dirt bike do that a lot of other sports don't do, right? So I think, you know, and there's so many bullets to hit here, but, you know, the mindfulness being the foundation, again, being here and now. I think think a really, really important thing to talk about here too, Kyle, is what is it? about getting out in nature that makes us feel good. Well, guess what? There's been a million studies about this. And when you look at the studies and and I looked at one from the university of British Columbia, right? Yeah. That when, when you are out in nature, and obviously we're going to talk about why a dirt bike gets us out where we need to be. When you're out there, man, you have this sense of being able to move outside of yourself and broaden your perspective. You see, You know, and I'm not going to get all technical with the psychological jargon. I'm not going to sound like Sigmund Freud here. But here's the truth, man. When your ego starts to get too important, we tend to get a little unhappy and kind of focused on ourselves. And we can be a little bit selfish. When you get out, right? I mean, and I've seen your videos, man. And I've been to some amazing places. Those drone footage, the drone footage, man. Like you make it to the top of one of those hills, man. And you look around, you have to, whether it's subconscious or not. Move outside yourself and say, oh, my God, there is so much bigger and better out there than me. I'm just a small piece of this. And that is humbling. And it's so good for you. It broadens your perspectives. It decreases the ego. It allows you to move outside yourself. And everyone, just about everyone that does that when they they do surveys, report improved psychological overall well-being. Imagine that, right? So you're on a dirt bike, right? And I, we, were thinking, we were just talking about this, and I was thinking about this myself, and I was like, in the two hours that I have on my dirt bike, on my two-stroke right now, the amount of nature that I am able to see and the places that I can go to, right, I can never do with any other means. I can't do it. I just can't do it. I can't do it in my car. I can't do it in my Jeep. I can't do it on, my, on a quad. That dirt bike is like wings of an airplane that allow you to travel to places that you will never be able to see otherwise in that time period, right? So, if you can get on that dirt bike for two, four, or five hours, man, you are seeing stuff, no doubt, and experiencing nature that you never would have been able to see or experience before. And then have that sense of broadening perspectives and just looking around and going, wow, man, the world is a beautiful, Amazing place, and I'm just a small piece of this, and that's humbling and good for us all.
0: You know, the, when I hear you talk about that, what it what it really says to me it's it's almost like super. So we're talking about being connected to nature and 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 yeah. getting outside of ourselves and realizing that there's bigger pieces than 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 me. And riding the dirt bike through those through that train, it's almost like it's supercharging it because I've had this conversation with people where, yeah, you, technically you could see some of this stuff if you if you did a hike but it would take you a week. So on that on that 4-hour ride that you're talking about on your dirt bike to hike that legitimately would take you maybe 4 to 7 days depending. If you did it on a horse which you could also do, that would take you 2 days. But you did it on your dirt bike in just an afternoon. And so it's almost like supercharging this connection to nature. And obviously there would be some people who say, well, you're going so fast, you're missing so much. And, 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 and there's some of that too. But just the amount of vistas and the amount of scenery and terrain that you can cover, I think that maybe has its own kind of quality to it. it, it do you, would you agree with that? Or, or what are your thoughts on that? Just the fact that you can see so much in a short amount of time, does that play into this a little bit too?
1: Of course it does, because, and listen, you're talking to a guy that hiked the north room of the Grand Canyon to the south room of the Grand Canyon, crossed the Colorado River. It took me six days, you know, it, and, you know, hiking miles and miles per day. And that is, I mean, talk about soul recharging and beautiful and extravagant and amazing. But if I'm home and I'm working and I'm busy and I have two hours and I have three hours, man, and I'm up in the northeast, right, where we go from, like, city to you know, rolling hills in, you know, 30 minutes if we need to. I can get away from this grind, this heavy, heavy grind of the Northeast in 40 minutes and it changes my entire day. I'm going to say it changes my whole week. Yeah. So just like you said, it's, it's like a supercharged way of, of getting that, right? Like if I need to hike the Grand Canyon, I got to take 10 days off of work and I got to fly out there and that's awesome, Right. But dirt bike riding allows us to do it in a more expedited way, right? It, 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 and, and we get to these places. And, man, let me tell you, you know, from my house, and I'm, I'm in northern New Jersey, right? So, And it's a very congested state. And literally, I'm 30 minutes outside of Manhattan. But, man, I take my beta in the trails, and I'm out there for an hour, and I, I pull over some Vista at the top of the mountain. And I go, oh my God, where am I? Is this, like, West Virginia? I mean, this is gorgeous. You know, so it allows me to do that where I couldn't do that any other way. How else could I possibly do that? The trails that I'm getting to those locations, I couldn't do it on a quad. I couldn't do it with my car, like I said. So that, that dirt bike in that garage for me is like this, man, it's like this magical machine that can transport me to these places that I couldn't do any other way
0: basically. Exactly. And I feel like just in my from my standpoint, some of the places that you can go on a dirt bike because of the fact that you only have, you know, two wheels lined up with each other, that allows us to get back into some of these gnarlier more remote places and also dirt bikers just kind of have a screw loose sometimes. So sometimes when they've made trails, they go in places that no one else would really go to. And for me, there's a there's a quality a, a a quality in that part of it itself. I, we've been in vistas here in the Rocky mountains in Idaho and Utah, where you, you get in these really remote places and it just, it, it almost helps me because in Utah, sometimes we'll, we'll be up on a mountaintop and we'll, we can see the city. Well, then we'll go to Idaho and you get on a mountaintop and you see mountain range after mountain range after mountain range and no city. And you realize how isolated you are and for me, and that that, hap- that would happen in the Grand Canyon too, right? I mean, you'd be down there. You wouldn't see a person for maybe four or five days. There's something about those types of experiences that help to center me and to recharge yep. me. And, and you know, we've, we've mentioned that, but that's it's something so unique to dirt bikes because it can get you there quickly. It can get you into these areas that you wouldn't see any other way. And uh, it's just, it's, that's a beautiful thing.
1: And, and you know what else too, Kyle, about it? And we're talking about, we're talking specifically about connecting with nature, right? And that's true, true nature. Now, listen, I'm an avid skier and a snowboarder. And even if I go out West, I'm going to stand on a line. I'm going to pay for a ticket. I'm going to get on the ski lift that's man-made. That's going to take me up to the top of a hill. That's been groomed by a machine, right? So there's still this industrial quality to it, right? Mm -hmm. That brings you back into sort of like, you know, society, I guess, right? Like just the machinery of society. But dirt bikes specifically, think about it. I mean, you're not paying admission. It's not a trail that was made by some corporation. You're getting out there. It's, it's, it's really just reducing everything to its lowest common denominator of nature. You, you know what I mean? So yeah. that to me too is a really important thing. I'm literally going places that no one else is going. No one's like making money off this. This is like, I'm going out there and it's real. This is just real deal. It's just me, that trail that maybe a couple other bikes, maybe a couple of weeks ago made, or maybe I'm making my own trail, right? So it truly brings you to that, that deep, natural connection. And that's the psychological part that makes us feel more in tune with nature and that makes us feel less, you know, it brings our ego down and changes our perspectives. And to me, that's just priceless
0: yeah I love that from the mental health standpoint of it can we talk about confidence a little bit i know we talked about that yesterday um and why confidence is important for us neurologically and psychologically and and how the dirt bikes play into that side of it can we can we talk about that
1: yeah for sure now like think about confidence and, and the way i like to break it down Kyle is just let's let's do it let's do it by definition like what is confidence? What does that even mean, right? So, as, yeah. as psychologists and psychiatrists, the word, the way that we describe it is, confidence is a belief of how good you can be at something. Now, it's not, conf- it's not your actual skill level, right? Isn't that surprising? Yeah. Confidence is is your belief, your belief in yourself of how good you can be. And any time that we do a psychological study on somebody, when people have a perceived sense of improved self-confidence, they're more positive just positive and optimistic, they're happier, and they have an increase in what we call resilience, which resilience means that you're more apt to try things and fail at them, and but eventually more able to get a positive outcome. So that's the definition of confidence. And how dirt biking improves confidence to me, I mean, think about it. We chose, for whatever reason, And listen, you know what they say about psychiatrists. We're all a little nuts, right? (laughs) We, we chose uh, a hobby that is incredibly challenging, incredibly challenging, right? You get on those two wheels and uh, listen, I don't care how good you are. And I'm not saying that I'm good. I'm, I'm novice at best. I've been riding for three years. I hit some gnarly stuff out in New Jersey, which, you know, just get, just getting through a ride without breaking something on your bike or hurting yourself, I consider a success,
0: right? (laughs) Yes.
1: So, (laughs) which is great. But, but every time I go out, my confidence is tested every single time. And here's the best part. It's not a competition. I'm not entering a race, right? I'm not judged by a time or a lap or to my peers. I'm judged by myself, like what I can accomplish, what I was afraid of and what I overcame because every time I'm out on the trail, There's a bigger log out there that maybe the last time I was afraid to get over or a bigger, you know, ledge or whatever, or a stream that I was like, you know what, I'm not crossing that, you know, but, but you do it. And then when you do it, you build that confidence. It's like this personal exercise in overcoming and building confidence. It's just really, really amazing. So dirt bike riding builds confidence without the need for competition, without the need for entering a race. It's personal, and it and, and then what happens is as you gain that confidence, like I said, more positive, generally happier, more resilient, right? More positive outcomes, more likely to try things in the future, right? So so no doubt. And, I mean, I'm sure you could share some personal stories of how you built confidence. And, and I'll tell you what. I'm going to take this a step further. I'm going to take this a step to the videos that I see with your kids. And, the video, and me, myself, teaching my kids how to ride, talk about teaching someone resilience, falling down and getting up, doing something that's scary and getting over it and overcoming it, right? Dirt bike riding is very unique in that way. And look, all sports do that, right? We all fall down. You get on a snowboard, you fall down 20 times, you get up, you finally get it. But taming a two-stroke or four-stroke dirt bike 30 miles in the middle of the woods and going over things and getting home safely does something, I think, pretty unique.
0: Yeah, it does. And and the the thing I loved about hearing you break it down about why that is making me feel more whole as an individual, I think back to when I first started in dirt bikes. Uh, I've done a lot of different hobbies in my life. And when I was getting started in dirt bikes, I was still doing long range shooting, rifle shooting, and a lot of guitar. I see, I see in your Instagram feed here that you're, it looks like you're, you're a guitar player as well. Um, I played yeah. a lot of guitar, but I had to play... I wasn't talented enough at guitar that it came easy to me. And so I would have to play guitar, believe it or not, for an hour a day, or I would digress. And I was never any really any good, if we're dead honest. But I started riding dirt bikes, and immediately I could see progression. I was only riding once a week or even once every other week, and I was still progressing. And what that did, and, and I'm just looking back on it after hearing you talk about this, what that did for me is it gave me some additional self-confidence. It gave me some additional self-worth that I hadn't gotten from other activities. And it it increased my happiness so much. It was like exponential because I found this thing that was hard and that I could progress at at my own pace. I didn't have to be compared to someone else. It was kind of like... a a challenge against myself from week to week or from month to month and then it's happened year after year where i went to one trail one to, you know one year i super i struggled through it i come back the next year and it was markedly easier for me and those are so fulfilling those moments and it's that confidence and it's giving me you know this it's filling my bucket you know and that's what i uh, believe that's what you're talking about right
1: Yeah, look, it's all about looking at what we do and the hobbies that we love, specifically dirt bike riding right now, and drawing out how this is helping us in our daily lives, right? And exactly how you're saying with with guitar and all these other things that you're doing on a daily basis and comparing it to guitar. But one thing I I just want to add is that, and and look, I'm going to just speak for myself on this, but there are times out there on the trail, I am scared. I'm afraid. Like, I am fearful. Whether it's a cliff or just something that I'm just afraid, I just don't want to get hurt or you name it. There's something that frightens me. Yeah. Okay. I have to face that fear and I have to overcome it. And I have to overcome that fear by doing specific things that I've learned in the past. By telling myself, okay, if I handle the clutch this way, if I, if I make sure I've been working on my balance, if I, if I rev it this way, if I work the throttle the way I learned, I'm going to get over this obstacle, I'm going to be safe, and if I break this way, right? So it's analytical in a way, but you're overcoming a fear by problem solving, right? And what that does is when you get through it, it obviously builds up confidence, but guess what, man? Day to day. I don't care if you have a fear of public speaking. The next time you get up in front of a crowd, if you're if you're working at a company, you're going to take what you learned. And a lot of this is subconsciously. You don't even have to think about it. It's not like, hey, I went dirt bike riding yesterday and overcame my fear, so I'm going to public speak today. It's not like that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just this internal subconscious strength that you develop that you say, I know how to control my fear. I have confidence in myself. I'm going to overcome that obstacle. So that log or that cliff face or that steep downhill or, or the mud bog that you're afraid to get stuck in, whatever it is, that's a metaphor for so many things in life, man. Oh. And it, and it carries, it just carries through. Right. So I don't care what your fear is. I think that practicing on your bike, you're growing as a person, you're just growing as a human. And I think that that instills so much confidence in us day to day, even if it's man take whatever fear you want fill in the blank i guarantee that if you use those problem solving skills and that self confidence and belief in yourself you're going to get through it
0: yeah i mean another metaphor that we you know I, I wrote down yesterday is just you know dom we don't know what's coming next in our lives we i don't know what tomorrow is going to bring no no one saw covid-19 coming or, or nobody you know these these different things that happen in our lives we don't know what's coming next, and that is the same thing that happens when we're out in the middle of nowhere on our dirt bikes or you know things come up in the trail and you have to have the confidence uh, in yourself uh, to be able to overcome that. And once you've developed this um, you know the, the this practice of seeing a challenge in front of you and and pushing through it and figuring out how to get over it. That is building your confidence and it's building you as a person. And that, I think that's what you're saying is that kind of inf- infects other areas of your life. Infect is probably not the right word. It's just the one that came up, <laughs> but it, but it, it, it yeah. effects, effects or infects yeah. the other aspects of your life. And you're able to draw on those life experiences through your hobby that you gain through your hobby to then propel you through some of these really challenging things in, in our lives. Right.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And again, unique to dirt bike riding. I mean, again, this is not a groomed ski trail. This is not a planned out and mapped motocross track. This is something that you're going to send off on in the woods and you don't know what's a hundred yards ahead around that corner. In most cases, even if you do know that trail, it may have changed. So you have to learn to adapt and roll with it and overcome whatever comes your way. So, absolutely, you're right on the money.
0: Yeah, let's uh maybe maybe let's talk a little bit about the cognitive psychology part of this about relying on relying on a machine and problem solving. You yeah. tu- you touched on it just just briefly there when, when you talked about problem solving. Can we can we talk about, about that aspect of of why this sport is unique and how that how that can kind of help you?
1: Oh yeah man, let's let's think about it. Let's do some comparisons. And again, my disclaimer is I am a sportsman. I love a lot of things and I'm an avid surfer and skier and snowboarder like I said. But you know what Kyle, if I break my surfboard, you know, I'm going to send it to the surfboard shop and they're going to fix it. If if my street bike, you know, starts acting up, it's going to the dealer. If I bust my snowboard, it's going to the dealer, right? It's, I'm going to get a new set of bindings. The thing about dirt bike riding is that it's you and this machine 20 30 40 50 miles in the woods that you really need to know intimately right first of all and you know this as well as i do and i learned this the hard way is that you know we take these machines through some really really challenging stuff that things break right i like i said if i make it back from a ride and i don't have to fix something man wow that's like i either didn't push hard enough or i'm just really lucky so so things break on these machines and it would be cost prohibitive to send it to the shop every time you broke something, number one. Number two, you don't want to do that because you need to know your machine. You need to know how it works. And that's mechanical engineering, man. That is an amazing skill to learn and understand. So I wasn't really a handy guy before I got into dirt bike riding. Yeah, I fixed things here and there, and I knew basic mechanics. But over the several years that I've been dirt bike riding, man, I have learned how to fix a two-stroke engine inside and out. I've learned the nuances of a four-stroke engine. I'm doing all my own repairs. So what, what does that do? I mean, that will take us back to the whole confidence discussion. Yeah. But from a, but from a cognitive psychology standpoint, we're learning problem-solving. We're learning problem-solving. And get this cognitive psychology. Let's go to that crazy definition stuff, right? Yeah. Cognitive psychology is identifying that there's a problem. Then, once you know there's a problem, defining the problem. Now you have to come up with a strategy to attack that problem. So there's organization. Now you have to get your resources, you have to actually solve the problem and then you evaluate your results. And I know that's a lot of, you know, psychobabble jargon, no. but basically, <laughs> but basically, Kyle, what you're doing is taking your brain through these steps of problem solving every time you have to deal with an issue with your bike, right? And you're doing this for lots of reasons. You're doing this because you need your bike to perform well. You're doing this because it's cost prohibitive to send it to to the dealer, right? Every time you break it. And you're doing it because you need to trust that machine when you're out there, right? So you have this like symbiotic relationship with your machine. So my point is, You're learning an amazing skill. You're learning patience and problem solving. Okay. When you do this again, just like the other things we discussed, this is, this is subconsciously, like I said, we're making it conscious because we're talking about it. We're saying, Hey guys, get this by doing this. You're going to be better at that. Yeah. Most people don't even think that way, but subconsciously deep down in the recesses of your mind, you can apply all, you probably will apply all of those problem solving skills to your daily life. discovering that there's a problem, identifying the issue, defining it in your mind, strategizing and organizing, getting resources, solving the problem, and evaluating the results. Think about how you can apply that to just about any problem in your life. And if you can do that, when you come home from a ride and you're like, oh man, you know, my top end is shot or, you know, I blew this or my radiator shot, whatever it is, Right. You have to go through those steps and you're training your brain to think logically that way. And you can apply that to just about anything. You can apply that to relationships. You can apply that to your job. You can apply that to your kids. You can apply that to fixing anything. Right. So basically, you're, it's practice. It's, it's, it's practice for your mind to get into that logical problem solving skill set. Because the truth is, Kyle, you can't wing it. Right. Like when you fix your dirt bike, It's not, you're not just winging it. You're not just like, well, let me just, you know, put a, put a piece of rubber on this and that'll get you through maybe like get you home, but you really have to face what's going on and fix it. Right. So you're just learning these amazing problem solving skills and that's, and that's cognitive psychology, man. That's making you smarter. And it's making you better to handle so many other things.
0: And wouldn't that also be kind of tying back to the mindfulness part of it too? Because when you're doing these, when you're problem solving, you have to be right there in the moment and be present in order to even start that, right?
1: Listen, I can attest to this. And I mean, there's probably good and bad to what I'm about to say, but I think we can all say to ourselves that we get pleasure. And, 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 a sense of comfort and calm when we're working on our bikes. Right. So yeah. after a hard day, after a hard day at work, you know, I've been at the hospital all day. Maybe I had an argument with my wife. Maybe the kids are making me nuts, whatever, whatever it may be. When I go into the garage, I get my tools out and I start t- taking my bike apart. I'm um, I'm present, just like you said, and I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on something. So all those other things are kind of you know, it's, it's making me feel better. It's a little bit of an escape for me. So absolutely, that mindfulness part and a little bit of an escape for you, a healthy escape.
0: Healthy, right? yeah, healthy.
1: You know, because, you're right. I mean, look, I mean, we can talk about so much stuff in psychology. I deal with people that do that do bad things to cope, right? Like they'll, they'll do substances or drugs or drink alcohol or, you know, and those are coping skills too, but they're negative coping skills. Yes. If I can get out if I can get out in the garage and work on my bike for 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour, a little bit of quiet time and work on my bike and that helps me cope with the stresses of my day and that's, you know, are you kidding me? That's a wonderful amazing coping skill, right?
0: So yeah, you hit
1: it on you hit the nail on the head for the mindfulness there, but also the fact that you are problem solving. And then when you finally fix something and you did it and it works, I mean, come on, it makes you feel great, right? Like you accomplish something. So, so again, you know, not just problem solving, but also the pride that you feel when you fix it and the trust and confidence that you have the next time you're on the trail and something goes wrong with your bike, you're like, okay, no problem. I know what that sound is. I know what that leak is. I know how to fix this. I have the tools for it. Right? So, Again, so you have the confidence, the analytical stuff, the cognitive side, and a little bit of an escape and a little bit of mindfulness
0: yeah, because I mean what uh, what other sports do you have where you are relying on this machine to get you back and and it's a simple machine I mean obviously they're getting more complex if you know, but if you really break it down, this machine is very simple there's not a million parts to this thing. the systems are simple and as we learn that, and as we become more intimate with that machine, we develop this cognitive psychology. We develop this confidence that allows us to then take the machine out. I'm much more confident with my machines now than I've ever been, um, because I've got that history behind me, and and you know the, that you know line upon line of building up my relationship with these bikes, and with myself, and with my ability to solve problems. And that, that all ties into this confidence thing and makes me, you know, more, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Like, uh, we had my kids out two days ago, we were out on a ride and, um, we had a flat. We had just, we just, uh, installed new tires and new tubes on both of my little son's bikes. And we got a flat on one and I, it wasn't a big deal to me. I'm like, look, we're six, seven miles away from our campsite, but we're going to be fine. I can't fix it right here because I, I didn't have, the, I didn't have a, a way to patch this tube out there in the trail. I have all stuff for my bikes, but I didn't have the stuff to fix his bike. But I just like this. My kids looked at me and they said, Dad, is this a problem? Are we going to have to leave the bike? And with utter, with the utmost confidence, I'm like, no, I'll put some air in it and we'll ride it back and we'll, we'll, we'll get back. And they're like, well, won't that ruin something? And I said, as long as we're careful, the worst thing that we'll do We'll definitely ruin the tube and we could possibly ruin the tire. But if we're careful, we won't ruin the rim. And they're looking at me going, dad, how do you know that? And it's because of all these things that we've been talking about before. It's like, I've been in this situation before and the world, the sky is not falling. And so I'm not freaking out to them and I'm not, you know, blaming them. And we're, we're just kind of out there still bonding and having this little, you know, experience and trying to make the best of it. And okay, we'll go back to camp and then I'll switch over on this, uh, this other bike. And, and, uh, you know, it, it helps. Another thing that you talked about, uh, before we move off of this problem solving thing that really resonated with me yesterday was think about this in other aspects of your life, even around the house. So now you've trained your brain to problem solve. Okay. Let's say that you have a plumbing, a plumbing issue, like the drain on your sink, kitchen sink, Stops you know, draining, or there's a leak, or your water heater has a problem. You've now kind of rewired your brain, and you've developed this confidence in yourself that you can diagnose a problem and fix it. So you may not be a plumber. And even right now, in this COVID-19 world that we live in, this is even more important than ever, because you probably don't want to call a plumber. It wouldn't it be cool if you had the ability, cognitively and the confidence to go fix that drain yourself, and you probably can.
1: I completely agree. And and I wanna to add to I wanna to add to something. You know what my favorite part about your story was, Kyle? Was that you experienced that with your kids. And, and and again, don't forget, my mother board certification is child psychiatry. So I deal a lot with kids who experience a lot of anxiety and depression as well. And I I I not that this is to blame for everything but a lot of kids these days aren't resilient. They're not as resilient. We probably hear that word a lot today from me, but they're not as resilient as they used to be. Right? So kids, when they run into issues with their friends or at school or whatever, they they just can't bounce back. They don't know how to problem solve. Right now, get this. You're out with your child, your kids, right? They, they get a flat. I guarantee that they were scared. I guarantee that they had this fear. Like, uh Oh, I got a flat. Uh, Well, now what? Right. So they, I'm going to tell you something very important about child psychiatry is that children model their parents' behavior. That is a gold (laughs) standard. That is a gold standard in child psych. So they look to you and they said, all right, what's dad going to do about this? Is he going to freak out? Is he going to throw his wrenches? Is he going to be like, oh, I'm going to leave the virus. What's dad going to do? Dad's calm. He analyzed the situation. He was confident. He said, there's a way to get through this without breaking anything else. We can get back. There's nothing to be afraid of. We have this with confidence, and this is how it's going to go down. We don't have the proper, you know, tire patch and kit at the moment, but next time, guess what? Maybe we'll bring a kit. But they saw, they modeled, they saw that behavior in you, that problem solving confidence. And what your children learned is priceless. So they're going to use that, and again, subconsciously, man, in their day to day life. Problem solving, they learn something from you, and that to me, your story with your kids, or when I go out on the trails with my kids, those life lessons they carry over to them. And to me, what's more important than that, honestly?
0: Not much. Yep. Not much. The, you know, it's and I love I love the transition into thinking about you know building our families with this. Even right after that happened, there was another thing, and I just felt really good because I knew I know that these lessons are being. Are being had by the kids and, and they're taking it too hard because we're, we're riding back. I've got one kid that's going a little slower because I've told him I'm telling him in the headset. I'm like, let's just go a little slower because I, 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 the last thing I want to do is, is damage this rim. So just go a little slower. And then I've got the other son in front and he's still everything on his bike is still good. And he goes ripping up this hill and ripping down the other side of it. It was steep hill. And it was really rocky. And down at the bottom of it, he gets out of control. I can't quite see him because I'm still with my other son back behind just a little bit. But I hear it on the headset. I hear something happens. You know what I mean? And he just eats it hard uh, down at the bottom of this hill. And I get down there and he's laying on the ground motionless. And he's crying. And I'm trying to turn the volume in my headset down because he's just like filling my helmet now with this, you know, pain And I look at him, I lay my bike down, I I say, hey, buddy, just sit there for a second. I kind of get the bike off of him. And I'm like, just, you know, just breathe and everything. And he stands up at that point. And five years ago, or four years ago, that would have ended his day. He I mean, he wasn't really hurt, but mentally he was hurt, right? And he's bumped up on his side. You know, he's he's a little sore here. And he's crying. And I say, Let's get your helmet off. Let's let's calm down. Let's take a little bit of a break. And we only take like a three minute break by that time he is ready to go again he's he's not even he tears are still coming down his face and he's pulling his helmet on and i almost get emotional as i think about this but this little stud nine-year-old is pulling his helmet on he's kind of scraped on his side he took a pretty hard digger and he's like okay i'm ready to go and i'm sitting there going a few years ago it would have taken i might have had to carry him back on my bike mm-hmm. and now he's developed this resilience where he's like okay i'm ready to go he's kick-starting his bike and he hauled ass after that, Imagine that. But, and he Imagine and that life lesson yeah and he's just and i'm like we couldn't even keep up with him because we've got the flat tire and he is going he's just he's decided i'm not going to let this beat me and we talked about maybe here's what you did buddy. Maybe you should have just let it roll a little bit. You, you got a little squirrely over here in the neck. The next time this happens, just a suggestion I have as your dad is let off the brake. I think what happened is you got a little bit offline. You panicked. You then gave too much brake, and then you washed out your front wheel and now you're on the dirt and now we're wiping you off. So I think next time if that happens, let that sucker go and try to roll through this without being on the brakes. And you might find that you'll make it, and he's like, he's looking at me, he's listening, and he takes off. And I was, it was such a proud moment for me because I'm like, this is the resilience. So why, so why is it that kids? Because you said something. You said kids today are not as resilient as they used to be. Can you give us any insight into why you think that might be the case?
1: Yeah, you know, Kyle, there are so many theories about that, and and it's hard because we live in a very different culture. Look, I knew when I when I grew up. Look, I'm in my mid 40s, right? I grew up. I came home from school. I threw my backpack down. I went out into the woods. I built tree forts with my buddies. We had bullies. We got into fights. I got my butt kicked. You know, it's, I mean, things happened right as we grew up. But now, you know, the culture of raising children is so different, at least in my area of the United States. I mean, parents are what we call cruise director parents, right? It's mm-hmm. like my kids come home and they're like, what are we doing today, mom and dad? It's, <laughs> and then you have an agenda. And And the parents are in control of everything, and they don't allow their kids to grow independently, and they unfortunately don't put the children through those self-imposed challenges to overcome and build resilience. So we're, you know, I mean, this and this certainly can be a a pretty, you know, controversial topic, but but for the most part, I think that's leading to a decreased resilience, decreased self-confidence, which is why kids are so upset like you know when little things happen right because they don't know how to overcome these things independently on their own they don't develop that foundation of who they are and what they can accomplish on their own so you know doing things like like dirt bike riding being one of them but there are a lot of things we can do with our kids to teach them those life lessons but there, those are some theories as to why things have changed culturally i think you know we're not allowing our kids the freedoms to learn to fall and get up and dust themselves off and be like, "I got this." We're catching them way too much, right? So we're we're putting too much padding around our kids. And again, controversial topic, right? I'm a child psychiatrist. I want the best for kids, and and uh, but but I do see that. I think parents need to lay off. I've seen some. Real crazy stuff and we can get off on some crazy topics where, you know, that your parents, they do their homework for their kids. They register for their college courses for their kids. I, you know, you have no idea what I see in my private practice. Wow. And I tell parents, I'm like, listen, they need to learn. Kids need to learn. Give them some freedom. Put them through some challenges. Let them cry it out. It's okay to fail. Let your kids fail. Which, which in essence, I mean, of course, we don't want our kids to get hurt, but let them have a little get off on the bike. It's okay. It's okay, right? Let them, let them take a little tumble, of course, safety, right, first, but dust yourself off, get back up, and keep riding, man. You got this. You know, you get a flat, That's okay. How are we going to fix it? You know, you bust a chain. Okay, no problem. How are we going to fix it, right? So it's, it's all learning, right? And I think, you know, I think the more that we can do with our kids in that respect, the better off they're going to be. As adults, look. I know it's made me a better adult. It's certainly going to make my kids a better adults, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think about my my role as a father, and I'm I'm literally just fumbling my way through this. And and my wife is a better parent than I than I am. And and but we we ha- we offer different you know different skills and different things to the kids. But I feel like so much of my goal, I don't feel like, especially with my boys, I have I have a. I have two boys and two girls. the The girls are the oldest and the youngest, and then the boys are in the middle. And I don't feel like I'm raising boys. What I feel like I'm doing is grooming men. Mm -hmm. That that's what I that's how I look at it. And so I'm not, you know, they get a little bit more nourish or encouragement and and nurturing from their mom. And I'm trying to I'm trying to walk the line of being that nurturing presence, but also be you know, the one who is reminding them that it's, o- it's okay to fail and we're going to do hard things because my whole life is just one. If I boil it down, it's one set of do this hard thing and then find another hard thing and do that hard thing. And that's one of the reasons I like dirt bikes is because it's hard. I do it not because it's easy. I do it because it's hard. And I'm trying to let that kind of distill down into my children. And when I see the progression that we make over the years, and I tell you, and you know, it's a lot of work. Like doing dirt bikes with your kids is a lot of work because it's hard for us, right? It's hard for us as adults. And then with their little bodies and they have, you know, the tires are smaller and everything's smaller and things are hard. And, but it's these life lessons. I feel like in the end, these are probably going to be the best life lessons that I have, that I will pass on. To them, and like you said, there's other ways that they could be taught this. You know, they could be taught it maybe through football or or maybe through basketball. And we do those things too. Like my kids are in my kids are in other sports, but there's something unique about the dirt bikes that puts them in situations that are in are unique and 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 for me a blessing. I feel.
1: I agree. And listen, just by look, I want to give you a little bit. Of, I want to give you a little bit of kudos, man. Just just from what you're telling me the supportive care, the, you know, being there for your kids, but also teaching them challenging things. You That's the recipe that is, you got it. You got it. You're doing a good job.
0: Well, thank you. We're, we're trying, we're trying very hard. So we feel, and we're, and we're constantly tested every, every day with my 14 year old daughter, my wife and I are looking at each other and I'm going, Hey, look, this one's on you. You've been a 14 year old girl. I haven't. You know, but I'll, I'll take I'll take some of the maybe the lead foot on some of these things with the boys. But man, we're so far out of my area of expertise with my fourteen year old daughter, and it's just getting started now. And I love her to death, and she's amazing. But it's challenging, right, as a parent. And yeah, and yeah. I even I try to get her into dirt bike. She she does a little bit here and there, but. You know, it's it's a little bit different when you're working with kids, and and that's that's one thing I would say, I guess, that you you might be able to riff on for a second is every kid is a little bit different. You know, one kid oh. you can one kid you can push really hard and say go hit that rock, and you can you can motivate them that way. Another kid you need to, you know, psychologically you may need to take a different approach in order to in order to give them the support and the uh, you know the the encouragement that they need. I mean, th- that's a thing, right?
1: Of course. Of course. Every child has a different personality, Kyle. I mean, every child has a different framework of who they are. And a lot of that is potentially genetic or, you know, this whole nature versus nurture argument. But it's a little bit of both. It's, it's a little bit of genetics. It's a little bit of personality trait. It's a little bit of some of their life experience thus far in the world that lead to these different personalities. And if they're not robots, right? It's not a computer program. Every child's going to be a little different. And you have to sort of roll with it. There's nuance in how you approach each child, and you got to do it in a way, obviously, that's not traumatizing the kid, right? If someone's super afraid of something, you take your time with it, right? And and listen, maybe the dirt bike's not right for them. Maybe the basketball court is is a better lesson for them, and that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that at all, right? But you, yeah, of course, man. Everyone has a different personality, and you kind of you have to you have to roll with those nuances to help your kids be the best people that they can be. This is my thing with kids. And I tell parents this all the time. We're bumper bowling. What we're doing with our kids is bumper bowling. We're sending them down that lane. We're letting them bounce. We're not letting them get in the gutter, but we're teaching them how to get down that lane. Right. And we're just giving little nudges here and there. We're being the best parents we can be. Right. But it's each each individual is is, is just that they're individuals. Right. So we just got to roll with what the child's personality is like and what their skill set is like. That's all.
0: Yeah, and the same thing would go with uh, other friends that you have. you know if you're if you're <clears throat> if you're helping a new friend out in dirt bikes or you know a friend who's new to dirt bikes is probably the better way to put it. You're helping them out. Uh, you need to take a different approach with 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 each person. And maybe that's a perfect segue into kind of talking about how this uh, you know sport of dirt biking and our mental health, how that's affected by the the groups of people, the relationships that we have, with maybe other dirt bike riders. Can we talk about that for a little bit?
1: Yeah, Kyle, just let's think about this for a second. And, and again, I mean, I keep saying this cause I want to drive this point home. There are a lot of things that are amazing to do with your family and friends. And, you know, like I said, playing around a golf with your buddies is awesome. A pickup game of basketball is awesome. Going for a hike is awesome, right? These are all peer involved activities that are great. You know, they're great for social, they're great for, you know, building a lot of interpersonal connection. But what I've experienced, and I'm sure that, you know, our listeners and or your listeners and, and, um, and you can relate to this. There's something a little bit different about hitting the trails with your buddies. And the way that I look at it is this. It's, <laughs> I mean, the best way I could say it is look, if, you know, you're out in those trails, man, it's, it's usually pretty dangerous. It's usually pretty precarious. And you're going out with guys that you have to trust and you have to be there for each other. And that's a whole different ball game than being on a basketball court with somebody or playing around a golf with somebody, right? So, you know, you might have to help out your friend get through some pretty significant, dangerous things, obstacles or getting hurt, whatever it may be, or breaking your bike and the other, and, the, and it goes vice versa, right? Your friend who you choose to go out with might really need to help you out to get you through these pretty scary dangerous situations so you're building this and look and and no disrespect at all to veterans by even saying this because I've never been in the military and I've never been in a war yeah. and that's a whole different the whole different issue but I'm, I'm saying this just sort of like lightly that it's almost like you are going into battle with these guys and you know y- y- you kind of you're, you're experiencing a very significant challenge with with the people that you go out with and you develop this really significant bond you know I've had some buddies Kyle when I was learning how to ride and, and I was getting you know pretty beat up and I broke my bike a few times and blew out radiators and and thankfully I had guys out there with me that number one didn't make a fuss about helping me out it was it was almost it was like this camaraderie that it's like all right dom look you blew a radiator man your bike's gonna overheat we got to get you out of the woods. This is what we're going to do. You know, you're going to hike up the trail a little bit. There's a stream. Let's fill your camel back with water, bring it on back. I'm going to lift your bike out of this ditch. Maybe we need a tow strap, whatever, right? Whatever the case is, but they get you through it and, and you get home after, after it all. And you're like, wow, I mean, they really saved me in a way got me out of something really, really dangerous. And there's this gratitude. There's this incredible gratitude and, and also selflessness that goes along with dirt bike riding because this happens a lot when we're out, right? I mean, like I said, a good day means you go out, you don't get hurt, you don't break your bike, no one else breaks their bike, and that's a good day. But listen, man, I, I don't even know what the stats are, but a lot of the times it doesn't really go that way. You know, somebody breaks a bike or gets an injury or, or you know, something happens where you need people. That you really can rely on and from a psychological perspective in building relationships as humans as interpersonal interaction and social interaction goes the two words here from a psychological perspective are gratitude and selflessness and i see that so much in the dirt bike community this just sense of selflessness like how many times have we been out And you're out with five guys and somebody, you know, it has a get off or their bike something for whatever reason, their bike is just broken. You're 10 miles away from the trailhead. And now we got to do a tow out and it's no problem. It's okay. It's yeah, it kind of sucks, but it's okay. Let's, let's get you safety. Let's get your bike fixed. And it's all good. There's just like selflessness about it. You know what I mean? Um, and then there's the gratitude part where you're just so thankful, right? You're just so thankful. And that kind of bonding to me, and again, I have nothing against golf. I enjoy a round of golf from time to time. But in comparison to other sports, I feel like the bonding, the interpersonal bonding, because it's at that intensity level, is so much more.
0: Yeah, because you're have to. you out there relying on these people. I, I can think of countless, well, not countless, but I can think of many, many times when I've been out there at the mercy of the environment, and then something goes wrong, and now you've got to rely on these other people with you, these brothers with you or sisters, if, if you're, if you're doing this, you know, and you're a woman and you've got a woman's group or whatever it is, but you're out there and it really matters who you, who you picked to ride with. You've got to trust these people. And obviously you have to start somewhere. If you, if you don't have a group, you've got to start building those relationships, but that's what you're talking about is building the relationships, fostering those with family, with friends, with other people and, and trusting in people. And and what you're telling what you're telling us is that just that just the the trusting people and developing these relationships that is fostering gratitude and it's fostering selflessness and that is blessing us with our mental health, right?
1: Oh my God, it's creating humility. And you want to hear something crazy? I mean, a lot of people don't even believe this, but I've seen pet scans where we look at blood flow in the brain and and the usage or like what parts of our brains are activated. Um, with certain emotions and that old saying it's better to give and receive is actually true and it turns out that when we look at the mri scans active mri scans they're called pet scans of people's brain when they're feeling a sense of giving they actually the reward system of the brain lights up much more than when you're receiving right so when you're out there on the trail and you got to get out your tow rope and you help somebody out and you're giving your time and effort, I mean, that is just a sense of selflessness that makes us feel good. It allows us to feel good. And, that, and just look, being a part of that community, there's that give and take, right? So when you're sitting around later and, you know, having dinner or having a beer at the bar or whatever with your buddies, you guys have bonded in a significant way. It's, you know, you've gone through something challenging together and you've been selfless. And you have that gratitude. And and psychologically, that has some really, really heavy weight. And, man, like I said, I mean, I do a lot of sports. I can't think of many sports that, you know, you go out for a day and you really have to put a lot of faith or you might have to really, you know, rise to the occasion to help somebody out significantly just by going out on a day ride,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, and I love how you brought up the military aspect of this. And and again, I, I'll 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 uh, echo what you just you, what you said is, you know, we're, we're not comparing this to battle or anything. But if you look at though, if you look at that group as as kind of like your, you know, your test subject, you see these people who have been in the military, who have been in battle together, and these are brothers that, I mean, they're as close to them mentally as they are to anyone else in the, on the entire planet. And it's because they've been through these really harrowing experiences and they can relate to each other. And they know, they know they look at that, that guy behind them has their back and they know that guy would lay down their life for them. And, and those relationships never go away for their entire lives. Mm-hmm. Well, on a on a lesser sense because we want to be totally sensitive to that, on a lesser sense, we're we're tapping into that a little bit by going into the, some of these environments on our dirt bikes and having some of these adventures and and it could happen too if you if you hiked with somebody, you know, from the top to the bottom of the Grand Canyon, you would develop a relationship with that person that would stand the test of time as well. And and mm-hmm. and that is helping us to give us more happiness and even, even serving others. Like you mentioned, like if you're, if you're helping someone to tow them out or to help them fix their flat, or they broke a radiator and you're trying to like use JB weld and bond up the radiator and then find a ditch somewhere and fill the radiator full of coolant or use it from your camelback or whatever it is from your water bladder, those, those types of serving, it makes us feel good. I, I know that here, even just like from a spiritual perspective, I've been taught my whole life if you're feeling down about yourself, uh, go out, get outside of yourself and serve someone else, and you'll feel better. And what you're saying is that's just, a, that's, a, that's a basically a psychological fact. Is, is that what I'm hearing from you? Is that if you can get outside of yourself, serve other people, it has almost like a dopamine hit where it, it, it makes some of your problems go away and makes you feel better about yourself. Is, is that what you've noticed with, with your study?
1: Yes. And that's exactly right. Like, and, and so, and we've known this for such a long time. I mean, science is proving it now. Okay, fine. We have like numbers and statistics and colorful charts and graphs that show us this stuff. But man, this stuff goes back to the dawn of time, right? Where where it feels good to be selfless and give and help others. Right. And, and man, look, I, I don't care if you're out on the trail and you got somebody that's new And you're just the guy that's kind of waiting up for them and kind of taking them through the ropes. Or you're the guy that's, you know, when you see somebody have a hard get off and you put your bike down and you go run over and you make sure he's okay and you kind of go through a little triage with him. I don't care what level it is. You're helping people, man. and, and, And you're developing this really cool relationship because we've talked about it you know, riding dirt bikes can be precarious, it can be scary, it can be dangerous, it's uncharted territory in a lot of situations, it's far from home in a lot of circumstances, and a lot of bad things can happen, you know, so you're developing really, really cool relationships, and part of that is by being selfless, by helping them, right, by being there for them, by being the person that they can trust and rely on, and then that relationship goes back and forth. But look, I mean, we've had this really awesome conversation, right, but I think everything that we, even every heading that we talk about, we can tie into all the other headings we talked about, right? Like you're out in nature, so you feel that, you know, life is bigger and better than you. So that's kind of selflessness too. We talked about confidence, right? That all ties into helping other people and trusting other people, right? We talked about the cognitive problem solving ability. Well, you kind of need that when you're helping somebody out or someone else is helping you out, right? So all of these things reinforce each other, man, it's so cool to look at it this way, right?
0: Yeah, no, I love that so much I and, and it's, it's it is really interesting to me to see how it all ties back together. I just wigged out with my wife you know yesterday when we got off the phone and and uh, so she's excited to hear some of this stuff too. So maybe maybe kind of as we as we wrap up here let's talk a little bit about the proprioception thing because this is this is a concept that I wasn't really aware of. I actually did a little Google a Googling of it yesterday when we were talking about it and I'm curious to hear how you know what your tie-in is to this and why you think this um is important from a you know a mental health perspective and and how dirt bikes help us um you know develop this.
1: Yeah so so look, physical activity number 1 is incredibly important. Let's let's just get that out of the way. And I tell my patients this because I've read studies over and over and over again. So let's say somebody's depressed and anxious. I've read study style and I'm a doc, I prescribe medicine, right? I will prescribe you medicine. But physical activity, 30 minutes of cardiovascular activity every day in a lot of cases is just as good as an antidepressant pill in a lot of cases, right? So let's get that out of the way. So the physical stuff we're getting into now, riding your dirt bike, man, kicks your, you know, I mean, it, it's no joke. When you get on some gnarly trails, man, I'm huffing like I just did 50 squats at the gym. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm usually hurting sometimes. So the physical activity part of it, from that perspective, from the muscular strength, from the cardiovascular activity is good for us. Psychologically and physically, they go hand in hand. But you mentioned a word called proprioception. Proprioception is a really interesting phenomenon. Now, from a neurological perspective, what we look at first of all, proprioception, what is it? Proprioception is your brain's way of understanding where it is in its surrounding space, right? So if you close your eyes and you balance on one leg, your brain is paying attention okay, you know, my left foot is raised, I'm balancing, I need to fire this muscle and fire that muscle so I don't fall over. So a lot of neurological adaptation is happening when you're trying to balance, and that's proprioceptive exercise. So we've looked at studies, and this always fascinated me. We've looked at studies at mice, for example, right? And we always kind of do studies on poor mice, right? So you take you take a mouse and you put them in a that has a lot of balance beams and challenging obstacles compared to a mouse that has a very boring cage that's all flat and they don't really need to do any balance type exercises. Now, you know, when that mouse dies and you take a look at the brain, the brain of the mouse that had to do all of the balancing activities was much well-formed in a lot of the places that we didn't think it would be more well-formed. And that's the frontal lobe of the brain, our problem-solving brain, Right. So our cognitive brain, the brain that, that we think with, not so much the physical part of the brain that helps us balance. Of course, that was also better, but the cognitive part of the brain. So let's talk about dirt bike riding. Man, you are on a single single track, gnarly trail, and you are standing up on your pegs. Man, I, I can't think of anything where it teaches you balance and control of your body and space I mean, you're like a gymnast in some cases, man. I mean, you are balancing. You're going through some crazy stuff. You have to learn how to break and, and your body under acceleration and deceleration and just balance in general, right? So, what you're doing is something so unique when it comes to balance exercises that it is so good for you cognitively, right? Now, get this when you looked at, or when I looked at studies about proprioceptive exercise, it improves cognitive function overall, including. Improved memory. Imagine that, right? This is stuff you don't really think about. So balanced exercises improve cognitive performance in our brain, right? And there are some studies that even show that it may slow down things like dementia and things like that, like Alzheimer's disease and all that, right? There are studies that proprioceptive exercises, balance exercises help people that are developing dementias, right, to to slow it down. So let's just take the average person that works out. Okay, cool. So I'm the average guy, and I go to the gym. I jump on the treadmill for 30 minutes at the gym. I'm running on a treadmill. No big deal. Then I go over and hit the weights. I do some bench press, some pulls, maybe some squats. Cool. Did I really do anything that was challenging my balance? No, I, I really didn't. So it's very easy to not, even though you're doing physical activity, to not do something that challenges your balance that challenges your your body's ability to constantly pay attention to what's happening in the space around you, right? So dirt bike riding specifically is cardiovascular, it's strength, and it's an enormous amount of proprioceptive exercise, which is that balance training. It's, you know, it's it's just where you are in space. And God, I mean, you and I could probably think of a million cases where you need some really, really good balance-type work to to get through some of these trails, right? Yeah. So I think that was a really important thing to touch on as to why dirt bike riding specifically really attacks all of these awesome physical attributes as far as, you know, getting in shape, but also how it applies cognitively and psychologically to us just by doing the actual exercises of riding.
0: Something that was really interesting there that you mentioned right at the beginning is, you know, as a medical doctor you're able to prescribe medications to people um but you, i'm 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 sure as a you know as a as a uh, careful person and 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 an anal- analytical being how do you decide if you're talking with a client where's that line where you say you know what i think this person just needs to get some more physical exercise or or this person might actually need some sort of an antidepressant. How do you, I know that doesn't have anything to do with dirt bikes, but it's just curious to me, you know, where is that line? If you look at somebody, you you get to know sure. them, you're like, you know what, I think actually what you really need is some of these things we've been talking about. You don't actually have to prescribe a dirt bike to them, but you want to get them out and get them more active and and get them, you know, doing some of these things. And it's like this, oh, maybe you need is some exercise. You look at clients, yeah. you, can you identify those people easily or is it hard? What, what is, what, How does that work?
1: Yeah, it's it's a really complex sort of algorithm, but let's put it this way. I'm going to say something super basic. There will never, ever be a time, unless someone is totally incapable of it physically, but there will never, ever be a time that I will tell someone that's depressed or anxious or having a mood disorder to not get out and get moving. Awesome. Never. I will awesome. always, always, always say, What's your activity like? Are you getting out? What kind of exercise do you do? You know, are you getting some cardiovascular exercise? So you're going you there first. You're, you're going there first always. before
0: you would ever even consider, you know, uh, like, like a always. chemical fix, right?
1: Always, always. It's always part of the equation. It's never not a part of the equation. The medications come in secondarily. Now, listen, Kyle, there are times, and, and being a medical psychiatrist, you know, I deal with some pretty... Significant stuff. I mean, people are suicidal, for example, or people that won't even get out of bed or won't even eat or feed themselves because they're so depressed, like really significant stuff. Now, in those cases, it's like, look, we got to get you on a medicine that could probably help you out, but there will never be a time that will not add physical activity to their regimen. And it's a discussion with the patient as well. It's, It's like, you know, someone comes in and says, doc, look, for the past six months, I have just been down in the dumps and this is, you know, what's going on in my life. We look at three things in psychiatry. We look at biology, psychology, and sociology. So I'm going to look at your biology. What are you doing physically? How's your physical health? How's your sleep? How's your nutrition? How's your diet, right? How's your hydration? That's physical. Then we look at psychology. All right, how are you coping? What are you doing psychologically to cope with your stressors? Are you locking yourself in a room? Are you drinking a bottle of vodka? Are you getting out and doing exercise? What is it that you do to cope and deal? And then we analyze that. And then socially... We look at the, that third part, that third part of the pyramid is socially. What are you doing socially? Are you getting out with friends? Do you have good social support? What's your marriage like? What's your relationship like with your kids, with your friends, whatever? So we take all of those things. I think any good psychiatrist would do that and kind of look to see where the deficiencies are and and just help somebody kind of figure out what the best plan is moving forward. So so in some cases, it's all very unique. Everybody's very different. That little triad that I just said is going to be different with everybody, but I will always always, if possible, recommend some physical activity. Absolutely, undoubtedly. Now, dirt bike riding, I don't know if I'd recommend to a lot of I mean, it's a dangerous sport, man. And as a doc, I could get myself into trouble by saying, hey, man, go buy a 300 two-stroke. Go buy a 300 two-stroke and hit the trails. You know, I don't know if I can... Just I'd probably get myself in the trouble.
0: Just send them my way. Just be like, be like, you know, that way you have plausible deniability. Just like send them, a, send them a YouTube link, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk to them. So maybe, maybe, we, maybe we can partner up that way. Like, if you've got, if you got some extreme cases where you know you need some extra help, you know, let me know. Uh,
1: you, you, you got it, bud. You got it, and that you know that actually brings up something, and I'll just touch upon it briefly. I, I did something with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and and surfing where I taught veterans how to surf and used a lot of what we're talking about today and, and sort of maybe analogies to surfing. And, and sometimes I do think about putting together like some kind of dirt bike riding clinic for people that are going through some mental tough times, you know, some emotional tough times with depression or post-traumatic stress or veterans and taking them through like a really basic dirt bike course. And, and taking all of the things we talked about today and sort of like debriefing with it and really talking about how it affects your life in a good way and helping people psychiatrically and psychologically that way. So, you know, that's always something to think about as well, man. That'd be really cool to team up with potentially and do something down the line.
0: That would be. In fact, I know of a group. I can't think of who they are because I get so many emails coming in. But there is a, a gentleman that reached out to me just recently where they're doing something like this. You know, he's a vet mm-hmm. and he's like, dirt bikes have really helped me with PTSD. You know and mm-hmm. what I'm finding in my life is um, y- even in my marriage and my la- relationships I'm finding like post-traumatic stress disorder is not always we, we think of it as just like oh this is something that happens if you're in the military but am I right to say that PTSD ha- can happen in so many other aspects of your life and now and now we're starting to like diagnose that more is that a is that yeah, a thing
2: listen,
1: Kyle Kyle, it could be any perceived trauma and that's subjective. You know, it, it happens a lot in the military because obviously those guys are exposed to some really traumatic, horrific things in a very short time period while they're deployed or whatever's going on. So we see it a lot in that population. But but Kyle, you can have PTSD from a bad car accident. You can yeah. have PTSD from a bad, a bad injury. You can have PTSD from a bad divorce or a bad relationship or physical or, or emotional abuse. You can have post-traumatic stress. From a lot of things, basically post-traumatic stress is your body and mind is being reset. Like you're resetting your thermostat to be a little bit more hyper-vigilant and aware because your mind and body thinks that the world is a much more dangerous place. So you're on high alert all the time. You're kind of, you feel burnt out, you get depressed, you get super anxious, you're not sleeping because your thermostat is reset and that's a survival mechanism. It makes sense. You have to pay attention more because you have been put in a position where you were really, really, really scared. But get this, we can talk about dirt bike riding or or some other sports that I've used post-traumatic stress treatments for. Post-traumatic stress, you know, is about, or treatment is about teaching your body to control what you perceive uncontrollable, right? I know that's again, psychobabble, but the basic point is, is teaching people to take something that they're afraid of and control it and roll with it and overcome it. And then that reduces some of those symptoms of the post-traumatic stress where you're super, super high. You know? So let's, let's just say, let's, this is a great little discussion. Let's talk about being on the dirt bike, right? When you first get on a dirt bike, man, I know that I would get arm pump in the first three minutes because I was holding yeah. on to the damn handlebar so tight, <laughs> right? In, in, until I learned and my buddies would tell me and just experience over time. You don't know, stay loose on the bars, you know, keep control, right? You get your finger on the clutch and finger on the brake, but just nice and loose, nice and easy. Squeeze the bike with your legs, right? Like don't use so much physical energy. You're not going to control the bike by squeezing the hell out of it, right?
2: Yeah. So, yeah. so
1: that's, that's sort of a lesson for like the post-traumatic stress people is, you know what, you're going to have to let go a little bit. You're going to have to roll with it a little bit. Yeah. You're going to have to flow with it a little bit. And that's the psychological sort of, um, lessons that you learn when you do things like that and you apply it to post traumatic stress. So yeah, for sure. It can absolutely be applied.
0: Yeah. Well, and you, you'll probably, you'd probably have a harder time with that because I look at these guns that I'm seeing on, on the internet with your arms and like, of course, you're going to get arm pump. You got, you got, you got so much muscle mass up in there. You know, you can't get the blood out of there. Oh so, man,
2: that's du- so, that's dudes, so funny. I dudes that,
0: that <laughs> are built like you, they have harder problem with our pump. Like little skinny guys like me, we don't, we don't have that problem as much.
1: <laughs> I don't know, man. I think, I think it was just the lighting in those pictures, man. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, right, right.
0: All, all like 200 of these pictures, the lighting was totally off. Yep. You you may be onto something. Yeah. No, it it has been such a fantastic discussion. Um, thank you so much for spending some time with me today and with, with the viewers and with the listeners on my podcast, I've recorded this for uploading to YouTube. I don't get a ton of people watching them on YouTube, but in podcast land, there's a lot of thousands of downloads and it's just been, it's been an absolute honor and it's been one of my favorites. Um, and I, what I really hope is that just people kind of take away the fact that our li- our lives are so connected. Our mental health is connected to our physical health and our spiritual health is, it's all connected. We can't really, as guys and me especially, I like to compartmentalize things. We're going to, you probably, I'm sure you know this from your study of the human mind. We, men compartmentalize everything. And so in, at times of my life, I've compartmentalized and says, I'm, said, I'm not going to focus on my mental side of things. I'm not even going to think about that. I'm just going to make sure I'm in physical condition and I'm taking care of my obligations or whatever. But now... I'm trying to be more holistic in the fact that like, look, all of this is connected as a whole. I cannot just put my mental health back in a corner. I've got to face my fears. I've got to face an addiction or I've got to face this thing and it's going to help me in all the other aspects of my life. And I I think that probably is so much of what you're doing with psychology is helping people to understand these things and just... Uh, the fact that we were able to tie it into into dirt bikes, I never would have believed that, that we could have done that. And, And yet we have in such a powerful way. I just thank you for, for helping us do that.
1: Hey man, Kyle, it's been my pleasure. 1000%. You know, I love your videos. You've changed my life for the positive in so many ways, and I'm sure you're doing it for your viewers as well. So I'm incredibly happy to contribute. I'm glad we became friends and, uh, you know, and moving forward, man, just, you know, um, just, just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing an awesome job, and and thank you so much for having me.
0: Okay, thank you so much. We'll be in touch. I'll cut you loose, and uh, we'll we'll catch up uh, real soon. Hopefully, we can get out and do a ride. I wish I wish we didn't live three thousand miles apart, but uh, we'll figure uh, it, we'll figure it out good, sometime.
1: Man. The world is a small place. We'll get together at
0: some right. point. Thank you so much, Doctor Dom. Appreciate it. Bye. 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 So there you go. That's Dr. Dom. That was a conversation that I had with him back in ap- I believe it was April of 2010. Uh, so it's been a little over a year ago. Special thanks for him. A huge shout out. I, I just can't believe that he came on the podcast and I'd love to get him back on to have a follow-up conversation. Maybe I need to reach out to him. Such a cool guy. Um, while, while, while I've got you here, um, if you've got Stupid thing! I'm hitting the wrong button over here. If you've got ideas for podcasts, reach out to me. It's Kyle at DirtbikeChannel.com. Uh, let me know. Let me know if you if you if there's an interview I should be doing. If there's a topic we should be covering, it's a lot of it's a lot of fun to do these these interviews. It's a lot of fun to do this podcast. A little bit different format for me uh, than than just doing the YouTube side of things. In many ways, the podcast side is a little bit easier and I it kind of gets neglected sometimes and I don't put as much effort into it. And I want to do more of that and put more effort into it. Anyway, hope everybody's having a fantastic summer. Uh, if you're what if you're listening to this uh, anytime around the month of August, here in August 2021, I'm giving away a brand new KTM 250 XCW TPI. It's a 2021 model. These bikes are hard to find but I have one and I'm giving that away to you. All you have to do is go to my website, dirtbikechannel.com in the month of August. So you've got from August 1st until August 31st. There's multiple ways to enter for this motorcycle. You can even use my links to Rocky Mountain ATV for the first time ever. My affiliate links, which you can find at my website, dirtbikechannel.com. You can use those links and get entries in to win this dirt bike. It's pretty stinking amazing. So go over there, get your entries, dirt bike channel, dirtbikechannel.com. Do that before the end of August and, uh, you'll be entered to win that motorcycle. And I want to do these. I want to continue to do these sweepstakes. I'm going to do them, uh, probably every other 30 days or every other month for the rest of the year. Just doing some short sweepstakes where it's one bike that you're winning and you've got one month in which to get entered. That's kind of the general idea of what I'm going to do for the rest of the year. So... Uh, that's what I have for you. Hopefully everyone again has an amazing summer. Uh, stay safe, stay with your families and keep sharpening your mental health. Hopefully this podcast was useful for you. Thanks so much. Leave a single track.